Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Yud in Maseches Megillah. But we have some unfinished business in this mission in the middle of Daf Tesam and Bez. And I wanted to go over it real quick. And then we will continue. A couple more Mishnahis in Tesam and Bez. And then moving on, God willing, on Yudam and Bez, we'll be learning, starting to darshan up the Megillah's Esther. Okay. The first, we have the following thing. The Kohen Gadol, the mayor, was a big player uh, in that Mishnah of Eid Ben Kohen Meshuch B'Shem and Amishcha L'Meru B'Gadim Elapar HaBa'al Kol Mitzvahs and Eid Ben Kohen Meshamish L'Koin Shavar Elapar Yom HaKippur V'Asir Sa'efa. What's going on in that Mishnah? The following. There are two different types of Kohen Gadol in two different ways. One is, how do you become the Kohen Gadol? You could either become the Kohen Gadol based on being anointed with actual oil, anointing oil, or by having extra begadim placed on you, the shemot begadim of the Kohen Gadol, by being the power vested in me, literally with clothing, you become the Kohen Gadol. Now, how you become the Kohen Gadol does not matter, because either way you become the Kohen Gadol, except for it is only that Kohen Gadol who becomes so based on being anointed with the oil, that brings a korban, which we described yesterday, called par haba al kol ha mitzvos. Okay, now, that is the first clause of the Mishnah. The second clause of the Mishnah discusses two other different types of Kohen Gadol, which is once you become a Kohen Gadol, let's say you become disqualified for whatever reason, and somebody comes, another Kohen Gadol, as we learned in Masechus Yuma, there's always one in the wings. So another Kohen Gadol comes and replaces you, now, what do you do once the coin, once the original coin Gadol, right, uh, takes care of whatever um, disqualification he has, and he's good to go back into action? What do you do with the interim coin Gadol? Do you, uh, right, lay him out to pasture, or can he continue to function as a coin Gadol? And our Mishnah holds that he continues to function as a coin Gadol. And it says that there's no difference between the interim or emeritus Kohen Gadol and the original Kohen Gadol with the exception of Par Yom HaKippur Vatsir Isa which happened to be two uh, functions of the Kohen Gadol that can only be done once. In other words, everything else could be a multiplicity in theory, uh, but this only the Kohen Gadol can do. And, right, in other words, if it's something that somebody else could do, one of the Kohen Hadjotos could do, so then that, he could be replaced by either one of the Kohen Gadol according to our Mishnah. But if it's something that only the Kohen Gadol can do, and can only be done once, which is a short list, it's part Yom Kippur and Eifa, those two things only the active Kohen Gadol could do. However, this last sheet of the Mishnah is a machlokes. It's a machlokes in Zvachim, where it's a very big machlokas, actually. Our Mishnah follows the position of Rabbi Meir, which says that he can, this, the interim Kohen Gadol can do anything, right? Except for the Yom Kippur, Par Yom Kippur, and the Sarisa Eifa. But there is a position in Zvachim of Rabbi Yossi, which is where we left off yesterday, that says that the interim Kohen Gadol, once the original Kohen Gadol comes back, the interim Kohen Gadol is basically laid out to pasture because he's stuck. He can't do Kohen Hedjot stuff anymore because once you're Kohen Gadol, you don't go back. That's Malan B'Kodesh Rein Moridim. And he can't do Kohen Gadol activities either because that would be Mishum Eva. That would be disrespectful to the active Kohen Gadol. You need to have only one alpha in the group or you need to have a, a, a very clear distribution of 
hierarchy. Okay, so where this Gemara, uh, what this Gemara points out is that Rabbi Meir is problematic here. Why? Because it is Rabbi Meir who holds like the, like the, <laughs> Rabbi Meir is the one <clears throat> that holds like the Hemshech of the Mishnah, <clears throat> which is that the coin Gadol actually has, right, the, um, all, uh, retains almost all the function of the coin Gadol, that the interim coin Gadol almost retains it. That's Rabbi Meir and Zvachim. But the beginning, the first halacha of our Mishnah seems not like Rabbi Meir, because Rabbi Meir seems to say that in fact, a Meruba Begadim, a coin Gadol, that becomes so based on putting on the clothing, does in fact bring the Par Habal Kola Mitzvahs, which is what our Mishnah says he does not do. So very, basically, Rameyer is the most inclusive. Uh, it's an easy, just sort of a way of remembering it, as Rameyer holds that regardless of how you become the Kohen Gadol, you could do almost everything, including bringing the Par Habal Kola Mitzvahs, which is not like our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says that he does not do so. And by the way, also the interim Kohen Gadol retains all of his functions, which is, which Rameyer holds, um, right, which is like, which is like our Mishnah. Connected Rabbi Yossi. So now we read it inside as follows. So first of all, the question is, my time of the Rabbi Meir we ask with regards to, um, we already explained that Rameyer said that Tanya Mashiach, Mashiach, and Mishcha Mashiach. That there, we brought a Pasuk where Rameyer her, um, learned the first clause of the Mishnah that no matter how you became the Kohen Gadol, even if it was by Rebbe Begadim, you still are going to, um, be able to bring the Par Habal Kola Mitzvahs. Then the Gemara asks, okay, Bemai Ukimna. So you see where that is? Bemai Ukimna is pretty much right in the middle of the page. Um, <clears throat> the first words over there. So who is the author of our Mishnah? And basically what we're going to say, again, that the beginning of our Mishnah sounds like not like we're mayor, and the, the first halacha, and the second halacha of our Mishnah sounds like it is like we're mayor. So, Bemai <clears throat> Ukimna, the loka of mayor. The first part of Mishnah sounds not like we're mayor. However, says the Gemara, Ema Seifa. However, we have the Seifa of our Mishnah, which teaches you that no matter how, uh, no matter whether you are the Kohen Gadol or the interim Kohen Gadol, we'll call him, the, you can do all of the Avod except for the Par Yom Kippur and Vesri Seifa. That is, but with regards to all other matters, you can, you can do it. You can do all the other avodas. Us on Rabbi Meir. Now that part of the Mishnah, whereas the first part of the Mishnah was not like Rabbi Meir, the second halakha of the Mishnah is like Rabbi Meir. Titania, because we learned the following b'risa. Right? If the coin got had a psul, and they um, designate another coin underneath him, Rishon then once the original coin gadol uh, comes back from his psul, he could go back to his avoda. And Shani, call mitzvah kuna gadola, I love Divir Meir. And that is in that price, so it's in Zvachim, Kofiud Zain, I think. I think that's where this is. Um, that he says, unless I'm remembering something else, but be that as it may, that machlokis is Divir Rabbi Meir, right? And that Rabbi Meir is saying that he retains all of his avoda. However, Biosi Omer, Rishon Chozer Lavadoso, once the original coin Gadol goes back to Zavoda, Shani ain't a royal Lola coin Gadol, Lola coin Hedyot. The second coin can't do any Avoda. Why? Because, again, as Rashi explains, as it explains over there, and as, as we will see going, going forward, that we said, Mylan Bekotish Rain Maridan means he can't do the coin Hedyot Avoda, and because of the fact 
that uh, because of Eva, he can't do the Kohen Godol's Avoda anymore. And then, Valmer Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi supported it, and this is where he's going to spell out the reasoning. The, the, in fact, this happened, happened to have been Rabbi Yosef ben Ulam, they have the same name as Rabbi Yossi, I guess, but, but it's not the same Rabbi Yossi. Basically, the Maisa was, this was a Kohen Gadol, um, that became Puzzle. And then an interim Kohen Gadol was designated. And Chazal at the time, they, they said that when the original Kohen Gadol goes back to Levodoso, and this is where they spelled out their reasoning that the interim coin Gadol at that point that once the original coin Gadol comes back cannot do any of Avoda not of the coin Gadol or of the coin Hedyot coin Gadol Mishum Eva you can't do the Avoda of the coin Gadol because that would arouse a problem right of hierarchy um, or some resentment or some issue which you can't do there can only be one Kohen Gadol, and Kohen Hedyot Mishumayon B'Kodesh Veloma Ridin. And he can't resume to be a regular Kohen because once you've become a Kohen Gadol, you can't go back. So now the Gemara has a conundrum because the Reisha sounds not like Rabbi Meir and the, and the Seifa is like Rabbi Meir. So ask the Gemara, Reisha Rabbanon, the Seifa Rabbi Meir, can you have a Mishnah that's a composite of where the beginning is like Rabbanon and then the end is like Rabbi Meir, Amar in. Chizda said yes. Reisha Rabbanon, the Sefer Rabbi Meir. Sure enough, the Reisha is like the Rabbanon and the Sefer is like Rabbi Meir. Or alternatively, Rabbi Yosef, Amar Rabbi he. Rabbi Yosef, again, not Rabbi Yosef, but Rabbi Yosef says it's in fact the position of Rabbi. Our Mishnah is the view of Rabbi. Even Nasiv Liba the Tanai, an unbelievable thing. There were the Tanai, Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Meir. Or Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim, rather. Rabbi Meir and the Rabbanan. And Rabbi had an, a view. He had basically a third opinion, which was a hybrid opinion. He held, like Rabbi with respect to, right, the first uh, issue, where it doesn't matter how you become a Kohen Gadol, as long as, um, no, no, rather, the first issue would be that if you became a Kohen Gadol through the Begadim, then you can't bring, right, the Korban of the Par. Uh, right? Not like Rabbi Meir. But he did hold like Rabbi Meir, right, in the second issue, which is that he holds that the interim Kohen Gadol can retain some of the function of the Kohen Gadol. And so he wrote the Mishnah that way, reflecting the view of the Rabbanon in the first clause, in the first halacha, and the view of Rabbi Meir in the second halacha. Good. So now, Goranowitz is with us, and we are on the second to last, the penultimate Mishnah, Towards the bottom of Tesamid Bays, and we're going to talk about history. Ain Bain, Ain Bain Bama Gadol, Bama Katana, El What is going on here? Well, you need to have a little bit of a history. Um, Klal Yisrael, in the Midbar had a Mishkan. Then we had the base of Mikdash, maybe rebuilt soon. Okay. But there is some history in between that we need to fill in. Okay. The Mishkan was a traveling base of Mikdash, we'll call it, right? Now, there used to be, now we're used to this a little bit more because we have backyard minyanim. There used to be people who built mizbeachs in their backyard. But that was a very short period in history. In fact, it was 57 years. And so this Mishnah applies only to a 57-year window in Jewish history, never to be applicable again. What is that 57-year window of which I speak? Well, when we first had the Mishkan, uh, once the Mishkan was built, you can't build any more personal bummas. You know, back in the day, 
when we had the Avos and all that, people would build their own personal Mizbechs all the time, right? Wherever they went. That was like davening Mincha in the, in the corner of, of, of the office or something like that. They would build the Mizbech anywhere. Then, once we had a Mishkan, everything was centralized by the Mishkan. People couldn't just go off and do their own Mizbech. Then the Mishkan, then we entered Eretz Yisrael. And then when we entered Eretz Yisrael, um, the Mishkan was in Gilgal for 14 years. You might recall we were talking about did the month fall when we were in Gilgal, what was going on then? For 14 years it was in Gilgal. Then the Mishkan was finally moved to Shiloh, hence the phrase Mishkan Shiloh. Uh, Garanitz, you want to guess how many years the Mishkan was in Shiloh? Oh, that's actually not bad. I would have guessed less, but that's correct. 369. It's in the 300s. Very good. Mishkan Shiloh lasted all the way from the entrance into Eretz Yisrael up until the end of Elia Cohen, right? Up until Shemuel, like very close to when the base of Mikdash was built, right? This was Mishkan for years and years. Basically, most of that time spanning between the Midbar and the base of Mikdash, the Mishkan was, in fact, in Shiloh, okay? When the Mishkan was in Shiloh, it was very centralized. They built a whole nice thing around it and they had a whole uh, area and people would go there. It was very centralized then and you couldn't build bombas then either. Then something happened, right? The, they started really acting up the plishtim and you got into issues once you uh, anointed a king and Elia Cohen was gone and now the Aron was traveling around, unfortunately, as we see, as we see in Sefer Shmuel, and once the Aron's traveling around, and the Aron and the Mizbeach are separated, so then you no longer can have a centralization. And for that short amount of time, they had bummers. Okay, that was a fifty-seven year period where it was Nov and Givon, and then finally Baruch Hashem. Once the Aron returns to Yerushalayim, David and Melech is dancing. They build the base of Mikdash, etc., etc. Then already they have the base of Mikdash. And then once they have the base of Mikdash, as we will see in the Gemara, it was never really allowed to have Bamos again. Okay. But during that 57-year period, when it was in Novin Gibbon, there was two kinds of Bamos. A Bama Gedola and a Bama Katana. Oh, a Bama is a Mizbeach, right? Um, it's, it's, it's basically uh, a Mizbeach that you build, erect a personal Mizbeach where you're going to make your personal Karbanos. Okay? So now... There's two kinds of, uh, it's not that different from a bima, right? It's sort of like a centralized place where you're building a, uh, where, where, where you're praying, except for it's a bama because you're making a sacrifice on it. Do you need kohens for them? Right, so, it, so does a kohen have to do a bama wherever it is? Because usually kohanim have to do a voda. That's a, that's a great question. I'll tell you this. There was two kinds of bamas. Even when there was bamas, there was bama gadol and bama katana. Bama gadol is the centralized shul. There was like a shul in each in individual areas where you would make right the karbanos and the bama katana was literally the backyard minion where people would make the bamas individually. So what our Mishnah is saying, a wild thing that the Gemara is going to explain, makes it sound like that the carbon pesach is the only difference. We're going to see that's not at all the case. That's just an example. The carbon pesach, right? can only be brought on a Bama Gadola. Everything else sounds like it could go, be brought on a Bama Katana. We're going to modify that a lot. But that's the first statement of our Mishnah. Then the Mishnah says, Zehaklal, kol shehu nidev nidev kariv bebama, bekol sheheno lo nidev lo nidev eno kariv bebama. We'll explain what this means. I'll explain it now. That Bama, in this case, is talking about a Bama Katana. This part of the Mishnah is saying like this. 
Anything, Nidev or Nidev means, as we talked about, Mab Ein Bein Nedev and That was just yesterday or the day before. Nedev and Adava is you, it's really, the point here is that it's a private thing, right? You're saying, I am either making a Nedev or an Adava that I want to give something to, I want to be Makar of something. But that is very different from a Korban Tamid, a Korban Musaf, right? Any other Korban that's a communal Korban that we bring in the base of Mikdash is something that needs to be brought on a Bama Gedola. It has to be brought, right, on, in shul. You can't just do that in your backyard. All the communal things that have their own time and place that Hashem says you have to do it, a chiyuv, if you will, a, a, um, a chiyuv tzibor has to be done in shul. The chiyuv, uh, the, the thing that's not a chiyuv, the thing that's just a private thing that you took upon yourself, that you can do in your backyard. That would be the modern day equivalent. It would be like any davening, shachos, milchamar, if you have to do it in shul. You want to say tehillim at home? Say tehillim at home. You know what I mean? Uh, like a barbecue. Like a barbecue, right. Oh, so you're saying, yeah. So they would, Right, you'll be you'll be you'll be makar of a carbon and then you'll have a barbecue. So that's that So that's what it's saying. So kol In other words, means the communal things. You understand, Gerard? What we're talking about the the things that have to do with the tzibur right. uh, is go, is can't be brought in in this context. Bama means bama katana. It has to be bought on the bama gedola. So let's see. The Gemara says psachim v'sulo. You're talking about only carbon pesach. And not anymore. Obviously, it's not. This is the part that's in in, in Zvachim Kufyazayin. I remember that's stuck in my mind, but um, from the wrong place. The Machlokas Rabbi Yosef Meir um, is in is in the Brisa that we quoted. Anyway, Ema Kein Psachim. The Mishnah means anything that's like the Psachim money. And then we ask, who is the Tana, right? That our Mishnah follows. So now, right, that that anything brought on a, that. Only things that can be brought on Bama is if they have a fixed date. So this is a quote from something which we're going to learn in what I mentioned before. Zvachim uh, Kufyudzayin. It's not exactly like our Mishnah, but it has elements of our Mishnah with regards to the fixed date as follows. Rav Shimon Hee, Tanya, Rav Shimon Omer, Af Tzibur Lo Yikriv Wal Apsachim V'chovos Shekavur Lehem Zman. Right, that the Tzibur can only bring, that even the even the, the community would only bring Psachim and 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 the chova shekavua lahem zman, right? Any chova, any korban that has a zman, such as korban tamin, korban musaf, anything, all that, all that, even the community itself didn't bring it. But certainly, right when they have chovas that don't have um, a fixed time, were offered neither on a bama gadola or a bama katana. Well. This is not exactly like our Mishnah. This is saying that if it was not Kavuah Zman, they couldn't bring it at all, right? This is a little bit uh, different, but the, the thing about it that's the same, okay, is that he's saying the distinction of putting the Chovah Shekavuah Zman in the same category as Psachim. That's the point, right? That's the lesson you learned from Rabbi Shimon. It's almost like disregard Shittas Rabbi Shimon, even though he's saying we like Rabbi Shimon. It's not that we hold exactly like Rabbi Shimon. It's that Rabbi Shimon is the one that says Psachim Zman. That's where we import that mentality and say that when our Mishnah says Psachim, right, that uh, Psachim, we mean Psachim Vechol Zman. That's what we mean. But yeah, so I'll just summarize and before we move on to the next Mishnah, because we're up to the Mishnah on the uh, third line from the uh, bottom of Testament Bays. Basically, it's like this, Quranowitz. That, 
like we said before, during the 57-year period that we were in Nov, right, and in uh, Givon, there was Bamagadolos and Bamakatanas. And during that time, the Bamakatana is your backyard minion, your backyard barbecue, as you called it. So during that time, we said the only difference between a Bamagadol and Bamakatana is Psachim. Now we're saying not really. Psachim is anything that also is Kavur Zman. In other words, a Korban Pesach, obviously, is an offering that has to be brought at a specific time. Hashem told you to bring the Korban Pesach at this time. So anything that Hashem told you to bring, bring the Korban Tamid, bring the Korban Pesach, bring it at this appointed time, that can only be brought on a Bama Gedola. Oh, I got you. Okay? Right. Anything that you brought as a nether and a dava out of your own right free will, that you can bring in your own backyard, Bama. That is what our Mishnah teaches us. Then we imported from Zvachim, the definition of Korban Pesachim means anything that's brought at a specific time, anything that we were commanded to do. That's what we imported from the Mishnah and Zvachim in order to elucidate our Mishnah. Fine. I think this is the last Ein Bain, what we're going to do here on, uh, da, on the bottom of Daf Tesem and Beis. Ein Bain, Shiloh Yerushalayim. So we so meant... Is there a, a major temple where they could break the... the, 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 the right, so where was the Bama Gadola? So, so, yeah, right, so that, that's a good question, but I can tell you, the biggest example of something that we've had, the biggest structure we ever had, other than the Beis HaMikdash, was Mishkan Shiloh. That was the biggest one. It lasted, like you said, for 369 years. And it was different, right? It wasn't, it's a, there's a machlok, it's how much of a structure in a building was around it. But there certainly was some, uh, some structure around the Mishkan Shiloh and it was there for 369 years and not too shabby. That's more than the lifespan of most shuls, right? So, so we see like this. However, were there differences between uh, the way Shiloh was handled and the way you, the Beis HaMikdash was handled? Were there differences uh, the way we had to, the halacha of Mishkan Shiloh, right? Because we had the, the Mishkan in the Midbar, Mishkan Shiloh, and the Beis HaMikdash. Were there differences? Well, funny you should ask. Says the Mishnah. Ein bein Shiloh liyushalayim. This is, means between the Mishkan Shiloh and the Beis HaMikdash, what was the difference in halacha? As follows. El ochlim kachim kalim lifnim min What's going on here? Well, these are halachas that could be familiar to you. That if you want to eat kachim kalim or maaser sheni, we are familiar with the fact that you have to read it in Yerushalayim, right? That's because that is what we we learn about once we already have the time of the mikdash, right? When once we have the mishnayos, we're talking about zman hamikdash. But before zman hamikdash and mishkan shilo, it was the same thing. In other words, the only difference is that whereas in Yerushalayim you have to eat it within the walls of the, surround, the surrounding walls of Yerushalayim, with Mishkan Shiloh, it had to be within sight. That's basically it, because it didn't have, uh, Shiloh didn't have walls around that city the way Yerushalayim does and did. Okay, that's one difference. But what a similarity is that both in Mishkan Shiloh and the Beis HaMikdash, they both had a courtyard. Right within mm-hmm. the kalai means within the curtains, which really means within the courtyard. And so the kotche kalim and the meiser sheni can be done within sight within Shiloh, or within the walls within your shalim. But when you're eating kotche kachim, that has to be in both cases within the courtyard. Okay, and a third. Um, so that's a similarity, right? First we talked about a difference. That's a similarity, and now a difference again. Says the Mishnah. That Mishkan Shiloh, as we find, at Kedusha Shiloh, as we finally arrive at 5.58 a.m. at Yudam Aleph, 
Yesh acharei heter, ein heter. What we talked about before. This is hearkening to the previous Mishnah. That after Kedusha Shiloh, once the Mishkan was moved from Shiloh, that area where Kedusha Shiloh was, after that, forget about that area, Bamos were permitted. That's what it means by Yesh Heter. That they permitted personal Bamos. That were, or really, the Bama Gadolo and the Bama Katana were both done after Mishkan Shiloh, as we discussed, only during that 57-year period. Okay, so one might argue that once the base of Mikdash is destroyed, Rahman al-Islan as it was, so then you should go back to Bamos, right? When Mishkan Shiloh was disassembled, we went back to Bamos. So why can't we do that when the base of Mikdash is destroyed? No. It's another distinction between Mishkan Shiloh and the base of Mikdash. That once the base of Mikdash is built, then you can no longer ever do Bamos again. What, that's what it means by Eina Chareya Heter. So let's dig into this to the Gemara. Well, you can never do it again. Now what about the uh, one in Alexandria, the Nicholas? Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm a Rabbi Yitzchak. Oh. Did you write this piece of the Gemara? Oh, Did Ravina and Ravashi confer with you? Okay. <laughs> I'm a Rabbi Yitzchak. Shamati shemakrivim beveis chona here he means during the Chorban. After the destruction of the base of Mikdash, he's talking about the Bama in Alexandria. Sure enough, there was a place called, right, it's a Machlokas, actually, whether this Chonya, who was the son of, of the Shimon HaTzadik, the question was, this temple that he built in Alexandria, there's a whole smisa why he left, there was some animosity, but there's also a lot of, um, you know how it goes with these gossip uh, papers. Sometimes you don't know from the tabloids. Uh, it, it could range, right, as to what the story is. Some say that when Chonya went and built his bomb in exile, he built it L'Shem Shemaim. Some say it was L'Shem Avodah That's quite a disparity in the story indeed. But be that as it may, for our purposes, he built a bomb in Alexandria, right, after the destruction of the base of Mikdash. So that's the question, same question Goran was asked, Rabbi Yitzchak asked, what about that Bama? Doesn't that seem to indicate that there is Heter Bama after the base of Mikdash is destroyed? So the Gemara is going to explain. So our Mishnah, who says that Chonya, in order to say that that was relevant to our Mishnah, you have to say two things. Number one, Kesavar, base Chonya, la base of Orozari. Number one, Rabbi Yitzchak must hold like the Shita that says that Chonya built right a, a real Bama, not just an Avodah right? Because if he built an Avodah we don't care. It's not relevant to our Mishnah. That's not a Bama, right? That's just that's a Stam Narishkite. Okay, that's number one. You also have to hold if you think it's 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 a Kasha Mishnah. You have to say that the Kedusha Rishona was Kitcha. Lashaita and not Lava, which means that once Yushalayim, this is a machlokas in itself, as we will see, it's a machlokas tonight. As long as uh, the base of Mikdash stood, is a machlokas. Once the base of Mikdash is destroyed, that's Kitcha Lashaita. Is obviously those kedushas hamakom when the base of Mikdash was there, right? There's certain areas you can go in, certain areas you can't, and all of the ramifications of some, a place being kadosh, right? That's when the base of Mikdash is standing. What about, what about once the base of Mikdash is destroyed? This is a controversy that lasts till this day, right? Can you walk into certain areas of Harabais? Not going to weigh in on that. But the point is, would mean that once the base of Mikdash is destroyed, it no longer retains that level of Kedusha. Okay. Where would you get the source of that? That the base of Mik- that the area is Kadosh only so long as the base of Mikdash is standing? It says, It says, 
right? Why did he pick uh, Alexandria? Why did he pick... Um, why did he run away to Alexandria? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, you know, it was a very cool city in those days. But I, why he went there... Uh, you know, some people dream of going to Silicon Valley. Some people like different places. Uh, why did I come to Baltimore? You know what I mean? I, that's a good question. Because the, the, the door of Nicanor, right? Is that from here? Um, that's not from here, but that, that's an interesting... Uh, right? We, we do have a lot, of, a lot of cities that pop up that are not in Israel that, that work their way a lot into our... Uh, into our liturgy over here. But be that as it may, the Chsiv Kilo Batam Atal Manucha Lanachla, Bimbram said, I recognize that Pasuk, that's because it's from Chumish. Manucha, right, it says, you have not yet come to the resting place and to the inheritance. What's the resting place and the inheritance? Manucha is, the resting place is Shiloh, and Nachla is Yushalayim. So we have a Pasuk that what? That already portends in Chumish that there will be a Mishkan Shiloh, and then there will be finally a resting place in Yushalayim, says the Gemara, Makish Nachla So the Torah itself is making a comparison between Mishkan Shilo and Yerushalayim. Ba Menucha Heter, Af Heter. That's the source of the Shita, that just like Mishkan Shilo after it was destroyed, you can have Bamos, so too Yerushalayim after it's destroyed, you can have Bamos. That is a Shita's Tanaim, not like our Mishnah. Obviously, our Mishnah says that Shilo and Yerushalayim are different. We're going to have to explain how they read that Pasuk. But be that as it may, Rabbi Yitzchak points out that. Apparently, if you want, if you hold that right, that Chonya made a real bama, he does not hold of our Mishnah. He holds of this idea that Yeshacharei Heter. So Amrulei Amrat. So they challenge Rav Yitzchak. They say, "Did you really say this?" Amrulei Lo. He retracted. He said, "No, that doesn't sound like me." You, this whole story with Chonya and making a bama that really means that you can make bamas after Yerushalayim. He retracts it. So Amarava. He says, you, by golly, uh, yes, you did say it, and I learned it from you. Okay, so Rava's calling him out, saying, of course, I learned it from you, Rabbi Yitzchak, that you in fact did. It's only that you retracted. You can't say that you never said it. You said it. You just retracted it. Why did Rabbi Yitzchak retract it? Because the question of Murray, the most of Murray, because this was a challenge to Rabbi Yitzchak's statement as follows. Says Rabbi Murray, our Mishnah says, Kedusha Shilo Kedusha Right? Our Mishnah teaches you a clear distinction that after Mishkan. Well, our Mishnah said that one of the distinctions between Mishkan Shilo and the base of Mikdash in Yerushalayim is that once the Mishkan Shilo is destroyed, you are allowed to bring Bamas. And when Yerushalayim was destroyed, you could no longer do so, right? And the Rabbi Yitzchak said that. Um, there is a story after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash that somebody did bring a bama. So let's assume that that's relevant. He retracted that statement because our Mishnah says that after the Beis Hamikdash was is destroyed, you cannot bring a bama afterwards. That's one reason why Rabbi Yitzchak had to retract. But there's another reason. The Otnan, right? And besides that, there's a Mishnah Zvachim as follows. So first of all, we have our Mishnah that says that that story can't can't be right. But there's another Mishnah Zvachim that says the following. Well, that's very explicit, right? That once, once we got to Yerushalayim, built the base of Mikdash, right? And when they came, at that point forward, there was never going to be Bamas again. They would never be again permitted. And that is what the Torah means. And now we understand what it means, right? That we thought 
that there was a shita that once you have menucha, you're makish menucha to nachala. That just like after the shiloh, you can bring bamas, so too after uh, Yerushalayim, you can bring bamas. No, we learn the exact opposite from the same pasuk. When it says nachala, it means no. An inheritance, which is to say the difference between nachala, uh, menucha, nachala is menucha is you're resting temporarily. Nachala is your eternal inheritance. In what way is it an eternal inheritance? In the sense that you can never bring Bamas again. Uh, so we're taking this Pasuk, we're saying it's not a hekesh, not a comparison, but rather a distinction between Menucha and Nachala. Can I ask you, so if, if, yeah. if, let's say the temple came down from the sky prefab, what carbons are we only allowed to bring? Just one? Oh, so when, when, when the base of Mikdash is rebuilt, I mean, I hope that we should bring all the karbanas. No, I mean, but okay. which ones are we have to bring? The pesos? Oh, right away. There is a big machlokas. We've already discussed it. Some, some achronim, some, some we, we, we even had um, in the Gemara, some of the Tanaim, I think, kept track of some of their averas because they wanted to bring all the karbanas chatas. Um, that's, that's, that's a madrego. It's not for now. By the way, Tosfos here is fascinating because the whole question is Rabbi Yitzchak was an Amora and as Tosfos asked, hen kol. In other words, he knew all of the he knew all of the Mishnayos. And we have our Mishnah here. So what was he thinking? That's question number one. But Kasha came into Tanaihi, as we're going to say now, that's Machlokas Tanaim. So my Haderbe. So you can ask it for both ways. First of all, in other words, Mimanafshach. He either held like our mission. Well, our, our Gemara is going to say now. This is Machlokas Tanaim. So you could just say, why do you have to retract? In other words, if you, he had to have been aware of our Mishnah, and he had to be aware that this actual question of Kedisha Lashaita, Kedisha Lashidlava, was a Machlokas Tanaim. So the big question is, if it's a Machlokas Tanaim, then why does he have to retract the statement? Why can't he just say that he holds like the other Tana? Okay, and why is he acting like this Mishnah is actually an argument against him? Because he obviously had to have been aware of Mishnah when he posited his statement. Be that as it may, that's a fascinating question in Tosfos. Just what you can get out of it, Goranowitz, is there was no Amora. Some of the Brysos, as we saw, they weren't aware of. But the, and, and some of the Psukim, as we've seen elsewhere, uh, in Gemara, some of the Psukim in, in, in Nach, they weren't 100% aware of what the Drusha was. But Mishnayas, they all knew cold. There was not a Mishnah that they didn't know. Anyway, fine. Says the Gemara, Tanahi, that this was in fact a Machlokas Tanahi. I have to ask you this. So, did, when Rabbi Yehuda wrote it, yeah. he said Rabbi Akiva, you know, made it. Who, right. who made it? Where was the Mishnahs all? Oh, so you're going to have the history. So, Rabbi, Rabbi put together the Mishnayas, but, yeah. but it's not for now. So, we say it like this Tanahi, there's, there's Mishnayas and Adios. It's funny you should bring it up because Adios uh, has historical significance, but be that as it may, uh, what's the Tanan? The mission in Adios says the following. Adios was relevant to your question because it's when they were building the second base of Mikdash. When they were building, they were, when they were building the second base of Mikdash, Amar Rabbi Eliezer, Shemati, Bonin Behechal, right? This is talking about when they're building the second base of Mikdash. This is obviously recorded afterwards in the Mishnayas because that's written after the Chorban Bayes Sheni. Anyways, when they were building the second base of Mikdash, Oisin Kalayim Behechal, Kalayim Lazar. So what was going on? They were, this is how the, the actual workers, right, the constructors had to do it. They had to make curtains both for the Heichal and for the Azar, for the, for the court, for, for the sanctuary and for the courtyard. But the way they did it was different. And the Heichal, they built it outside. Why? Because once the walls would go up, 
they would find themselves inside the Heichal wow. if they were building it. And they were not allowed to be there. So they purposely were building it from the outside so that once it establishes the Kedusha, they'll be outside of it safely. Wow. But the temple courtyard you can hang out in. So when they were building the Azara, they could hang out and build on the inside. I guess it's easier to build from the inside or whatever. Okay. The herd that even though there was no bias, they can even bring um, korbanos at the site of the temp, at the of the base of Mikdash at the time at the higher bias. You can bring korbanos even bismanazet, meaning right between the bias rishon and the bias sheni, or maybe even after the bias sheni was destroyed, right? And ochlin kadashim climb. In other words, even in the absence of a base of Mikdash, right, and even in the absence of kalaim, meaning in the absence of an actual right. Heichal, uh, you can eat kotshe kotshim, and right, and you could even bring karbanos, which is to say, which is to say that there's a kedusha that's retained even in, after the destruction of the base of mikdash. This is the mission in Adios, right? And furthermore, kotshim kalim and meiser sheni alpha pisha ein chama, even though there's no wall. Right, so just like we said before, all the halachas that apply to kachet kachim, and all the halachas that apply to kachet kalim and ma'aser sheni, all of those can even right still exist even in the absence of the of the city of Jerusalem. May the base of Mikdash be rebuilt speedily. What's the reason that you can act as if it's still there even once it's destroyed? Says the Mishnah. Right, that is a Tanaic opinion that once you built the base of Mikdash, that area is sanctified forever and you would not be able to go up and all of the restrictions and things that you have to be careful about would still be today and those, those who hold that that's the case. However, this implies that Rebbe Yezer, who's the beginning of that Mishnah, holds that it was not Kitchel Asid Lava. Why? Because, remember, Rebbe is talking about between the first and the second base of Mikdash. Right? The Rabbi Yeshua says, Shamati, I heard that once you build the first base of Mikdash, right? By definition, once you build the base of Mikdash, it's always going to be fully Kadosh there. And yet, in the beginning of that Mishnah, Rabbi Yeshua is saying that the, that the worker men were being very careful as to where they stood when they rebuilt the second base of Mikdash. Well, if the whole area is Kadosh, it doesn't matter where you stand. It's Kadosh. Doesn't matter whether you stand inside or outside, it's Kadosh. They were behaving in their construction as if once the walls go up, the Kadusha will be there, but until then it's not. Well, according to Yeshua, that's not the case. The Kadusha is there all along. That's what our Gemara is explaining. That it sounds like Rabbi Yezer holds Lokichalasudlavo, which in effect amounts to a machlokas tanaim as to whether once the Kadusha of the base of Mikdash is established, does it remain or not? Right? Do you need to have the actual walls of the base of Mikdash up? Uh, may it not be very soon and it will be built in the third base of Mikdash but until then we have that question so now how do you explain Rabbi view that ah, so now we have the Amoraic geniuses here how do you prove that maybe Rabbi Eliezer agrees with Rabbi Yeshua that really the Kedusha was there so why did he report and and, and there's no machlokas, but what happened? Rabbi Yezer just said what he heard. Umar kamar. In other words, Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Yezer both use an interesting lashon. They both said shamati, right? 
One said, I heard that this is what the, Rabbi Lezer says, I heard this was the behavior of the construction. And Rabbi Shua says, well, I heard that Kitchala said Lavo. Well, they both just heard. That's called circumstantial, right? But it doesn't necessarily reflect, it sounds like it reflects a fundamental machlokas, whether it was Kitchala said Lavo or not. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe what it means is the following. That's what it means. They just said what they heard. So you can ask, okay, well, Rebeleazar heard, okay, that the, the worker men were trying to be careful not to go on the inside. Why would that be? So says the Gemara, let's use Obama. Maybe that was simply out of not wanting to, um, just for privacy, so that people won't look in while the Kohanim are doing the Avoda. But, but be that as it may, there was, in fact, a Kedusha Lasid Lava. So we don't have a proof here, right, about whether Kitcha Lashai, um, this is why, right, even though the Mishnah in Adio sounds like the actual Machlokas is whether the, the Kedusha of Yerushalayim lasts forever, we have built in this uncertainty in our Mishnah, in our Gemara, and therefore that uncertainty remains to this day, right? Because we don't really know. Was that circumstantial or was that fundamental? Uh, a fundamental Machlokas in the Mishnah, fine. So now we have, a, now we're going to bring a different source of, that it's a Machlokas tonight. Ela Kihai tonight. Why did the, what's going at Elu? Well, it's talking about, Rashi explains, Elu, Ayaras Nimnu, Beperk Basu Erchin, right? We're talking about at the end of Erchin, Lenin Bate Arechoma. So we already learned that there are some Nafkaminas, as a matter of fact, one of them is Shushan Purim. Nafkamina, whether it's a walled city or a non walled city. So that, that affects Shushan Purim. As the Rashi continues to say, So in Erechin, it only lists nine cities that are Mukafas Choma from the Mimosi Vishum Ben Nun, which also, uh, uh, right, applies to what well, we already said to inheritance, applies to Shushan Purim, and other Lachik Nafkaminas. But the fact that it applies to Shushan Purim when we're enduring these daf qualifies as a daf yomi coincidence. But, anyways. Is that why they brought this in because of the it's not really why he brought it in, but it's, it is uh, interesting that it's bringing us back because we're getting there very soon to talk about Perm again. So he says like this. So what are these walled cities? When all the Gullus was, uh, right, was gathered together in the time of Ezra, coming back to the Bayashini, they found these nine walled cities and they, what? Kitchum. But all the other original walled cities, there was once there was destruction and Gullus, they were batal. Alma kasavar kedusha rishona kitcher l'shaisa v'lo kitcher l'asid lavo. Right, the Mishnah Erechin is saying they had to re-sanctify these cities that were walled from Yeshua ben Nun. Sounds like one of those walled cities presumably was right. Um, it says what the walled cities were. But as made the fact that you have to re-sanctify it sounds like once you have the destruction, you have to rekindle that kedusha, and it's not everlasting. However, Riminu, but they saw that Rabbi Ishmael ben Rabbi Yossi contradicts himself because Amar Ishmael ben Rabbi Yossi v'chi elu bilvadayu was it only these nine cities? Va'lokvar nemar shishim ir kol chevel argov. Right when we mention uh, when we mention it uh, in the Chumash, we say that there were sixty cities. Uchsiv kol ela arim b'tzuras chomagva, and it's written in the following pasuk that all sixty cities were fortified with high walls. So what is it? Were there many cities? That were walled in Zman of Yeshua Benun, or were there only nine, as mentioned in, in Erechin? So, why did they only mention these nine in Erechin? Because, because when the Gullus was, right, the exiles were brought together, 
These were the ones that they sanctified. So wait, it says the Gemara, Kitchum? Can you really say, what does it mean when it says Kitchum? What does Kitchum, what does sanctifying mean as we turn to Yodam and Bez? It says, Hashta, now they, they sanctified it? Ha'amri lo But we said below in our Brisa that they did not need to sanctify them again. In other words, the question is, these nine cities that are mentioned in Erechin, were they the ones that retained Kedusha or were they the ones that had to be rekindled in the Kedusha? So the Gemara says, Elamatsu is Elumanum. Has to be that there was no need to re-Mekadesh them, re-sanctify them, because they were already Kaddish. Well, both of this was said by Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi. And the fir- but he's speaking out of two sides of the mouth, so to speak. And the first one, he's saying that they rekindled it. Here, he's saying that they were, they retained their Kedusha. Says the Gemara, Any tradition that you have, that you know that a specific city was walled from the time of Shubanun, call Mitzvah Salalun Nahaginba, Mipnesha Kedusha, Rishona, Kitchel, Shaisa, Kitchel, Lassad Lavo. An explicit statement in the Brysa over here that any city that you happen to have a tradition and know was walled from Shubanun would still be Kadosh. Well, that is all attributed to Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi. And so you have Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi as a source that the Kedusha has to be rekindled and also as a source that the Kedusha retains. So which is it? Says the Gemara, Kasha de Rishmael is Rabbi Shmuel. Seems to contradict himself. Says the Gemara, Trey Tanaya Libra de Rishmael Berbiosi. No. We have two Tanaim, and they're both quoting Rabbi Shmuel Berbiosi. Uh, and they both basically argue as to what he held. Okay. Or, Bibai Seima, Har Rabbi Lazar, Berbiosi, Amyar. Berbiosi had two kids, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shmuel. And it's just the two are arguing as to whether Kitcha Lashaisa or Kitcha Lasudlava. The Tanya, Rabbi Lazar, Berbiosi, Amyar, Asher Lo Choma. Any city that had not had a wall, which we darshan to say, Afa Pisha Ainlo Achshav, Bahaya Lo Kodim Lakain. Right, then when the Pasuk says that it's a city that had a wall, this is the Pasuk in the Chumash, right? There's a Kriuksiv. The low there, as you see in the Gemara, is with a Vav. So that is, right, does it, it, Asher Lochoma with a Vav would mean that it had a wall. Asher Lochoma with an Aleph means it didn't have a wall. So which is it? So we see that this question of whether it's Kitchelas Shaita or Kitchelas Lavo is embedded in the Pasuk in the Chumash itself. It's almost like it's meant to be ambiguous forever, as it sure is. And therefore, it even brings a machlokas between Rabbi Lazar Biyosi and Rabbi Shmuel Biyosi, or the Tanaim's re- recollection of what Rabbi Shmuel himself said. So we have a few minutes, and we're four lines um, up in the two dots from the wide lines on Yudam and Bez, and we finally get to Megillus Esther. So now we're just darshaning Psukim, Andrew. You ready? Now it feels like Masechus Megillus. Okay, the first pasuk in Megillah says to the Rehibi Now we're really getting there. How did we get there? Uh, why are we starting now? Because now we're talking, I don't know. Now we're back to Megillah. It is a, quite an abrupt transition. When says Vayhi, it means in any pasuk, anywhere in, in, in Tanakh, you know you're in trouble. As we certainly were in the time of, of Meachashverosh, right? Vayehi, Vayehi is bad. So, for example, Vayehi Meachashverosh have a Haman, right? We have to deal with Haman. How about Vayehi Meishvot Hashoftim? Hayarav, there was a big famine in the days of what the Shoftim. This is in Rus, the first pasuk. Vayehi Raav Baaretz, okay? Vayehi Kihechel Adam Larov. That was a terrible famine in Rus. How about Kihechel Adam Larov? Well, when man began to increase on the earth, remember that one in Bracious? They only started causing trouble. 
How about Vayar Hashem ki Rabas Ra'ah Ha'adam? That was the Hemshech of Ahik Echel Adam Larov. As soon as there was a lot of people, Hashem saw that there was great wickedness. Okay, so we journeyed from the east. That's a good one. No, no, we wanted to build at that point a city. That was Migdal Bavil. Not good. How about Vahibi Rafel? The days of Amrafel. So Asum So anytime you see if it says Vahi, it looks like they started making a big war. This was the war of the um, four and the five kings. Let's go to Navi. Vahibi Mos Yeshua but he be Yosher Yeshua be Yericho rather. The Charvosh Lufavi Ado, right? When Yeshua came to Yericho, all of a sudden war breaks out. Okay, Vayhi Hashem es Yehoshua. Hashem was with Yeshua. Vayimalu bnei Israel. Now Klal Israel started to sin. Vayhi Ishachad mi Ramasaim. Okay, a certain man came from Ramasaim. It says Ki Eschana Ahev Hashem Sagaris Rechamal. Well, when it says Vayhi, that's already a bad sign. And right away we see the Chana was not able to have children. The precursor, obviously, to Shmuel, to, to prelude to Shmuel's birth. Okay, Vayhi Kasher Zakein Shmuel, when Shmuel became older. His sons didn't follow his ways. So you see, every time it says Vayhi, it turns bad. Vayhi David Maskil, and David, ah, in all his ways, Hashem was with him. Uh oh, it says Vayhi, what's going to happen now? Vayhi Shaul Oyenet David. Now Shaul's eyeing David, and the whole right, uh, rivalry starts. Vayhi Kiyashav Amelch Beveso, and David sits in his house, he's sitting, what could be bad about that? That was the precursor to his bad news that he wasn't going to be the one to build the base Hamikdash. Uh, however, so it sounds like everybody he's bad. It says the Gemara, I v'haksiv v'hi b'yom ha'shmini v'tanya oso ayom ha'isa simcha l'fnei ha'kadosh baruch hu k'yom shenivu b'shamayim v'aretz on the eighth day, that was the, the end of the Yimei Miluim. It was Rosh Chodesh Nisan. It was as great a day as the first day of creation. By the way, it also says v'yeir v'yibokar yom rishon as we will ask. So as we begin our Tadavin, we will contemplate um, this Vayihi. I will give it away a little bit, so you have something to look forward to tomorrow. When it says Vayihi be May, it's always portending bad. The word Vayihi itself appears more times, sometimes in a good context, sometimes in a bad context. Tomorrow we'll start our first of no less than 17 drushos that Chazal said whenever they would give a shear on Megillus Esther and Purim. Looking forward to seeing you then.